My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer, and more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Hello, everyone. This is Gail, a.k.a. Sunshine, bringing you another Campfire Chat. Today, we are going to talk with Asa Newell. Asa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. and I, I love you guys, and I'm so thankful that you guys asked me to come out and kind of share my story about the camp. Perfect. Well, let's start with you telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from. And also, I always ask everyone to include one fun fact. All right. Uh, Well, my name is Asa Blake Newell. I'm named after my great, my third great grandfather. I'm from uh, Southern Illinois. Uh, I've grown up on a farm my whole life. My dad was a funeral director. I've always lived in a really small rural community. And I guess my one fun fact is that I'm an international salesman. So there you go. Very cool. What international meaning all over the world. You sell product all, all over the place. Yes, I sell uh, locomotive parts and pieces and complete rebuilds and rehauls to companies all over the world and in, here in the United States as well. What's the farthest country you sold to, if you oh. can think of it? Well, I mean, I've done Indonesia. I've done uh I've done a ton of different countries. Uh, I'm trying to think here. I just did a quote for a company down in Kenya. Um, I do companies in Argentina, Chile, uh, all over wow. Europe. So I get a large uh, reach of people all o- all the time. Yeah. And every day I get to try to decipher different languages and get to speak <laughs> to unique people every day. So it's a that great. Uh, awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a great job to have, but it's also a great experience. Because I'm getting to see, you know, not just one piece of the world, but how the entire world gets to, you know, work. That's amazing. Very cool. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about your diagnosis story. You know, kind of the signs and symptoms, how you are actually diagnosed, and then maybe a little bit about your surgery and treatment plan. So uh, I was diagnosed with embryonal carcinoma, uh, which is, you know, where it affects one of your original where the cancer grows and starts and affects your original cells that you were born with that kind of grew you and, you know, kind of, you kind of sprouted from. Wow. And uh, it's, it's a aggressive, but slow moving cancer, if that makes sense. So I was probably, I want to say 15 and a half years old, whenever I got my first symptoms, I can remember it because I woke up one morning and I just had this terrible ache my testicles and I was just in so much pain, but it had slowly went away throughout the day. And, you know, I was 15 years old. I was like, 
this is probably just, you know, nothing. And I wasn't really worried about it because it had went away. And then over the course of about a year and a half, almost two years, it just progressively got worse and worse. The pain got longer. The pain started traveling up my body, you know, up towards my liver and around my back. And when I was uh, 17, it was, I think, September 5th, we had just, we were on a lake and we were tubing and I had said to myself the last time I had that pain that was really intense that next time I have it, I'm going to the doctor. I don't care Hmm. if it's, if it's some stupid infection, you know, I'm going to the doctor because it's important that, you know, and I didn't realize how important it was to monitor your testicular health. And so I go into the doctor, they, you know, they were concerned about me enough that they wanted me to get an ultrasound done and see a urologist. And so I get all that done and I go into the, uh, see the urologist and that was September 11th of 2020. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they told me I had, you know, testicular cancer and they didn't know wow. how far it had, you know, traveled. My parents were in the room and having been so close with my parents for so long, they were, you know, they're bawling their eyes out. My dad mm-hmm. was in the corner my mom, she was sitting down. She was trying to write down everything the doctor was saying, trying to figure out, you know, what's the next step. Yeah. And she was bawling her eyes out too, because, you know, every parent's going to do that. And, you know, I, the thing I thought to myself was at that moment is I can either sit down, curl up in a corner and I can cry about it, or I can be the most positive person I can possibly be. And so I looked at, I looked at the doctor and I made a funny joke. I'm not going to share the joke. Uh, if you guys ever come to uh, Epic Experience and I'm a volunteer, I'll share the joke with you guys. But I, I made this joke and everyone started busting out laughing and, you know, everyone's wiping their eyes. and The doctor's wiping his eyes. And, you know, I, I looked at him. I said, we're not going to cry. We are going to be the most positive people we can possibly be with the situation that we have. The cars that we were dealt, we're going to deal with those cars, you know, and that became, you know, a really big part of my cancer journey. We started a cancer page called Testic, uh, Ace and Newell kicking cancer one ball at a time. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, uh, I actually came up with that name with my mom and one of my buddies. And, uh, it's kind of just been, you know, where we put all my progress and, you know, going through chemo, coming back, recovering. And just so pe- everyone can see who's been following my journey and, yeah, you know, uh, the signs, of testicular cancer, you know, you would think that they're just like hitting puberty because it, because, you know, testicular cancer, what most people don't know is it's a young man's disease starts mm-hmm. for, it's most common from 15 to 35. And, you know, most guys who have testicular pain, they think, oh, you know, it's probably just the, uh, just um, my puberty kicking mm-hmm. in, you know, and that something's, you know, becoming more uh, in the idea of cancer, it, it wouldn't strike a young man because, you know, us young men were invincible. And I say that with <laughs> quotation is, you know, we all think that we're invincible and that cancer couldn't happen to us. But, you know, even the things you wouldn't think were symptoms were symptoms. Like I had night sweats. I was mm. achy. I was exhausted all the time. Uh, I remember one time I, uh, I was asked to go out and work on a neighbor's farm and I, my dad had called me. He's like, why aren't you there? I was like, I'm just so tired. I can't even get out of bed today. Wow. And it was just the cancer that had taken such a toll on my body and it creeped in so slowly that my body had gotten used to the pain 
that I just couldn't tell I was in pain, but I was just so exhausted. So yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the beginning of my cancer diagnosis and journey. And, you know, two weeks later, I got my testicle removed. And I'll tell you, that was one of the best feelings ever because just the pain had gone away. Oh, I still wow. had cancer in my body, but the pain had gone away. Yeah. And uh, then after another two weeks, which is what the doctor said where I went, where I was at was procedure was to get another CT scan, some more blood work. Well, the blood work had showed that there was more uh, of the alpha proteins, which means that there's still cancer. So they moved the CT scan up and uh, I had to actually go and freeze my sperm. So mm -hmm. I did that the day I got my CT scans. So I drove all the way to St. Louis, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. I uh, froze my sperm and I came back and I had CT scans and it showed that it had that the cancer had traveled from my testicle up in between my liver and my kidney. Oh, and wow. then I had two others in my abdomen. I had a tumor behind my heart. And then I had about 20 to 30 very small tumors in my lungs, which actually ends up half of them became a fungal infection. So that was just wow. awesome that that happened. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's weird when, you, when you're thinking a fungal infection is the better of two, two options. Yeah. It was. So, uh, so what did so you do you, for treatment then at that point? So uh, my aunt uh, is a pathologist up in Peoria, Illinois. And they send all of their testicular cancer uh, samples of cells over to Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, where Dr. Einhorn over at IU uh, Medical, and they examine all the test all the testicular germ cells, and they also treat patients. And that's actually where the cure was created. And so, whenever my mom had got a hold of my aunt, she told my mom that that's where we needed to go, and my doctor even put in an immediate request because he didn't really know how severe it was at the time. And I had, you know, I was 17 years old, had stage three testicular cancer. And so within probably a matter of a month after I got diagnosed, I was moved to Indianapolis and I started chemotherapy. Wow. And, you know, I, uh, Nabil Adra is my doctor and I, I was so blessed to have him as a doctor because mm -hmm. he was always there tentative and he would, almost call me every day. And if I was in the hospital, he'd be the first doctor there to see me every day before wow. any other doctor. And he'd tell me everything that was going on and what they were going to be doing. And I was just very thankful and blessed to have him as a doctor and that my parents were able to be able to take off work. And we were mm -hmm. able to move to IU so I could seek treatment and get it done the right way the first time mm -hmm. and, you know, bury the hatchet with it. Yeah. So you were in high school at this time, right? 17. Yes. What was, was it like a, being diagnosed as a high schooler? Well, it, you know, I was a junior in high school. I was uh, 17 years old. I was an athlete. I played football, basketball. I was really active in FFA and youth and government. And I was actually also running for the Illinois youth governor at the time. I ended up losing but I'll tell you, I had a lot of really good campaign speeches from a chemo room and in a hospital room. But, wow, uh, you know, it it kind of just pumped the brakes on everything for a long yeah. time. But, you know, being from a rural community, I was able to kind of, you know, stop everything. And my teachers, I only had 90 kids in my high school. So we were they were very good about, you know, 
let me take my time and I didn't have to start back at work at school work until I came back and I felt well enough to continue. Mm -hmm. And I was very blessed to have that, but you know, just the, also the stigma around testicular cancer as Mm -hmm. it being, you know, a, almost like a sexual disease of some way, which it's not, right. There's proof that it's not, it's not caused by the HPV virus or anything like that. And going to school, you know, sometimes, you know, kids don't know always how to react to these Mm -hmm. kind of things. And they might say a joke that might offend me, but, you know, from the beginning, I didn't want to make this a thing where I'd get easily offended. And, you know, there were some jokes that did hurt, but, you know, it's good just to laugh it off and be thankful for what you got. Hmm. And that's how, that's how I dealt with it, you know, and there were some times where I was kind of hurt by some of my friends, but, you know, after explaining to them, you know, what I'd been through, they understood and they apologized, but it, you know, it's water under the bridge, but uh, definitely being in high school and, you know, having to make that jump of maturity that most kids don't think about when it comes to, you know, are you okay with dying? That's, that's something that no high schooler should ever have to deal with, let alone think about ever. So that was probably the, you know, the genuine thing about high school is that I feel like it actually helped me because it taught me I needed to grow up a little bit faster and that I would have these real life things happening to me, not just high school scenarios. Well, like you mentioned, high schoolers in general, and perhaps more so high school boys, think they're invincible. And now all of a yes. sudden you are faced with your mortality. That'll cause you to grow up real quick. Oh, so yeah. now you're in college, right? Yes. So how I, has it been being a cancer survivor again amongst people who haven't, most of whom probably haven't had to deal with life-threatening situations like this? You know, in college, you know, they say everyone's a little bit more mature. It's not always the case. I go to a, I go to a small junior college and I also work full time for National Railway, which is, you know, the company that we talked about at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And the first semester I just went to school, but, you know, I wanted to make a change. I wanted to start making some money of my own doing that thing. So I've been doing a good bit of work in school for the better part of the year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, being in college, it really hasn't affected me too much because I'm with a lot of different people that don't really know my story. And I've voiced it to, I've voiced my story to a few people. I've done some uh, Q and A's where I set up tables and handed out koozies from the testicular cancer society that, you know, um, Mm -hmm. just promotional stuff and talk to young men about testicular cancer. And I shared my stories and you know, everyone in college has been really supportive of me with it. And all my professors have too. I've become pretty close with a lot of my professors who have either had cancer, had a, a relative with cancer. And I actually had this scare about a month and a half ago, which mm. it ended up, I was all clear. It was just a bad scan kind of deal. And all I told my professors and they're like, listen, if it is what it is, we're here to support you. And, you know, we're, you're going to be able to pass and we're, we understand. So that That's, was really nice. And, yeah. and, you know, my work was the same way because I come from an area where there's a lot of people who have had family members with cancer or have had cancer, wow. but uh, it's very rare. It's very rare in my area to find people with testicular cancer. But the bad part is, is there has been kind of an uptick in trends since I've got 
since mm. I started voicing out testicular cancer in my area of young men who have found out they have testicular cancer. So wow. it's, it's bad, but I'm happy that I was able to uh, kind of be able to help young men catch it early. Um, and then kind of with, uh, kind of with that, like wanting to get a full-time job while I was in school, I actually kind of think Epic experience for mm. in a way, because, you know, the whole, the whole point of Epic Experience is realizing that you can live beyond cancer. Exactly. And that you're that you're better than cancer. And that's not the thing that stops you from being able to live your life. Mm-hmm. And whenever I got home from Epic Experience, I was working as a salesman for a furniture uh, company and I loved it. But I wanted to do something bigger with my life than what I thought I could. I wanted to mm-hmm. be bigger than myself. So one day. I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I want to do something bigger. So I got really, I got really nice and dressed up and I went down into town and I sat down at my dad's desk at his bank. And I was like, what can I sell in Mount Vernon that would just be this huge thing that no one could believe I could sell. And he's like, we'll go down to the company I work at now and just turn in your resume. You know, what are they going to say? No, that's the Mm -hmm. worst they can say. And I was like, no, you're right. And so, you know, I went down there and as I was walking in and I had handed over my resume to the sec- to a secretary that worked there and having to be the secretary, the CEO, and, uh, and he overheard me asking about a sales job and he invited me into his office. We sat down and we talked for a little while and a couple months later, I, uh, I had the job. Amazing. And, you know, after getting the job and being in the position I thought of, I thought of the guys who I went to Epic Experience with who were all TC survivors. And I just started thinking about them and, you know, the influence they had on me. And I was like, you know, if I never would have met them, I would never have understood the true potential because uh, like Big Hoss, he, you know, he had testicular cancer. Now look mm-hmm. at him. He lives on an extremely expensive golf course in California <laughs> and is worth who knows how much. And, you know, the stories from him and my uh, cabin mate lightning, which he works at, uh, he works at a big hospital over in New York's Sloan Kettern now. Mm-hmm. And I keep in tr- touch with him and, you know, just stories from them and also lemon and Mike Craycraft mm-hmm. and just seeing how they persevered through cancer. It made me mm-hmm. realize that I don't have to just do what everyone else in, you know, where I live does. I don't have to, you know, go work at the local factory, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I can do, I can do more. more. Yeah. And, you know, being 20 years old, I felt like it gave me enough gumption to be able to walk into that CEO's office and say, I want to sell locomotives for you guys. That's awesome. So how did you hear about Epic in the first place? Uh, Mike Craycraft. I had, uh, Posted a fundraiser for the Testicular Cancer Society for my birthday in 2020, and he texted me that night, and he said he was he was telling me how much he was thanking me for uh, raising money for them, and I had actually I think the goal was 200, we raised 500. Awesome. And he's like, hey man, you got to come to this uh, this retreat with me. It's out in the Colorado Rockies. You'll absolutely love it. Just take a look at it. You can talk to your parents about it. I was like, I'm in. I'm all in for this. Because, you know, before Epic Experience, I I was seeing a counselor because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they don't tell you about the after effect mentally. Yeah. That 
you know, you got the survivor's guilt. You have just this overall guilty feeling for some reason about being the one that survived. And there were people out there that didn't. And, you know, how can I move on from cancer? And, you know, that's where Epic Experience just helped me immensely. And I was so thankful for my career craft of getting me out to Colorado and get let me open my eyes again, you know? Yeah. So when you came, it sounds like you were kind of searching, looking for a way, figuring out how to do this. What other expectations did you have going to Epic ahead of time? Like, did you have, did you know what to expect? Did Mike kind of give you an idea or, or not? Mike, uh, Mike gave me a very, a very vague yeah. description and, you know, honestly, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know if I was actually just going to be kidnapped. I didn't know, like, <laughs> if this was going to be super awesome, super lame. I had no idea. But I can tell you 100%, if I had to choose between that or going to see my favorite rock band or going to a Cardinals game or going anywhere or doing anything, I would want to go back to Epic Experience. Because it was just, it was more than what I could have ever expected. And it's amazing just the love that you feel and how they're able just to open your eyes to what your real capabilities are, even when you've, you know, faced just this terrible thing, you know? Yeah. Well, and it sounds like for you, that was one of your big takeaways. Like you've already said, you wanted to do more and you believed you were capable of doing more. Is there yeah. anything else that you took away from camp that you you would say I'm I'm still implementing this in my life now? I would say, uh, and if any of you ever talk to Colin uh, Wingman, he'll he'll agree with you that you got to be a yes man, mm. and that's what that's how I live now. It was like the first or second day of camp, and I'm not going to tell you what we did, but <laughs> he was like. If you say yes to everything I say this week, it will change your life. Colin told me that. And I, you know, I looked around and me and me and Lemon both said yes at the same time. We weren't sure who he was talking to, but we decided that we're going to say yes to everything he does, everything he tells us to do, no matter if it's hard, if it makes us cry, if it's the easiest thing in the world, we're going to say yes. And that's what we did all weekend. And that's what I took away is that. If you want to be who you want to be, you got to say yes to every opportunity that comes to you. And that's what I yeah. did. No matter if it's not, no matter if it's bad, if it means more work, if it means, you know, get skipping something to go do something else, as long as it's, even if it's a challenge, I'm going to say yes to it. Yeah. Because you never know what your life would be like if you said no. Yeah, Exactly. They, it's like a, a quote that Michael Scott put up on his board in the office at uh, the Michael Scott paper yeah. company. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. It's That's, true. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Is there anything else that you would want to share with someone listening, whether it's a survivor, someone like you who had testicular cancer or a caregiver, somebody who's maybe thinking about a camp experience, anything that I haven't asked you that you would want to share with someone. So, you know, no matter how hard it gets, never give up. And each and every day, whether you're a survivor, a caregiver, or a person who's battling it right now, get up out of bed and take your first steps of the day, because those are the most important steps of the day. 
And don't ever feel afraid to fail in anything. Because if you fail, that's the first step in learning. And whenever you take that step out of bed every day, even after a day that you feel like you failed, that is your first steps towards success every day. Mm -hmm. And whether it's you want success in your career or you want success in battling cancer, that is, that's, that's what I got to say to you. Don't ever say no. Get out of bed and live with your failures and figure out how you're going to do better by taking those first couple steps throughout the day. Because, you know, you can't live your life in a bed. You yeah. got to get up. You got to get going. And you got to do, you know, what you got to do. You got to say yes, right? That's where yeah, it starts. say yes. Excellent. Well, we also ask one fun question at the end. Marshmallows over a campfire, slow and steady or flame and crispy? I like it. I like a little slow and steady, but I like the edges to be crisp golden. So sometimes you. if you sometimes if you get them a little bit darker, I'm fine with that. If you get the top all burnt, it's fine. It just makes it even sweeter at the end of <laughs> at, at the end of the cook. I completely agree. Marshmallows, marshmallows all taste the same. No matter <laughs> if they're burned or, or or cold. I'm a I'm with you though. I like that little crispy, that little bit of golden yeah. crisp. Well, you Asa, have to thank, you and then you got a little bit of crunch. Exactly, exactly. It's the perfect combination. Well, thank you yeah. so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for sharing what you learned at camp. Um, your insights about saying yes and about wanting to do more are very practical and I'm sure you've helped someone out there today by sharing that. So I really appreciate it. Well, until the next time we gather around the campfire, keep living beyond cancer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode. Father, times, times